This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The soul wants to help you find purpose and passion, to have the joy of magic unfold in your life, to give you amazing and unbelievable experiences beyond your mind's limited thinking. There is so much freedom, love, and joy available to us on earth when we awaken. Quoted from Seeker of Freedom and Joy, Valeria interviews Deborah Lansdowne. She is the author of Seeker of Freedom and Joy, Inspiring Life Journeys of an Enlightened Heart. Deborah Lansdowne is a free spirit. As a seeker of freedom and joy, her ability to trust and follow her heart has taken her on many journeys around the world and into other dimensional realities. She has led an extraordinary life, which in turn has inspired many people. Raised in Sydney, Australia, She left a dysfunctional family home at a young age to follow her heart's calling. The paths she explored were on a physical and a metaphysical level, beyond the 3D world as we know it. Her experiences traversed many cultures, including a deep dive into Eastern traditions, ancient earth wisdom, incorporating Aboriginal shamanic practices. From her sacred mystery school teachings of the Middle East, North Central South America, she has been called to visit and work energetically at many sacred sites around the world. Deborah was a registered nurse for 35 years and began diversifying from the hospital system, moving into research and corporate health programs. She eventually moved into community services, working with palliative care clients to comfortably assist them through the dying process on a physical and metaphysical level. Ten years ago, Deborah retrained to work in the arts to become a passionate workshop facilitator and counselor, taking groups on soulful journeys using music, rhythm, and conscious body movements. This included meditation and yoga to reconnect with their own inner wisdom and soul intelligence to empower others to find balance in their body, mind, and spirit, leading to well-being, ease, and joy. Meet Deborah Lansdowne at heartjourneyswithdebra.com. Here is the interview with Deborah Lansdowne. In your own words, who is Deborah Lansdowne? Deborah Lansdowne, great question. <laughs> On a metaphysical level, I'm a spark from the divine. 
source that surrounds everything and goes through everything and is part of everything. But as a person, I'm a seeker, seeker of joy and freedom. I explore. I'm a human being that's come to Earth, a soul that's come in a human bodysuit, and I've come to explore Earth and to seek out life and experience everything that I can while I'm here. And I don't want to go away thinking that I missed anything. I will begin with some open questions before we talk specifically about your book, Seeker of Freedom and Joy, Inspiring Life Journeys of an Enlightened Heart. My first warm-up question for you had to be this one. What is life to you, Deborah? Life's an adventure, um, and I feel like I'm an explorer, and I'm here to explore all my emotions. I'm here to explore the beauty on the planet and not to miss a moment. And when I leave this planet, I want to be able to leave saying that I've done everything that was possible that I could do, that I didn't miss anything. So I'm a bit of a, an adventurer. <laughs> relentlessly exploring everything, but particularly nature and yeah, experiences, finding journeys that call me and then I take them and see where it leads me. And it's taken me on very magical places in my life. What do you think is the opposite of life? The opposite to life? Yeah. That would be um, being limited by your fears, being closed-minded because of the fears so, yeah, not taking opportunities, not following your heart, not listening to your own guidance. That would be not having a life. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? I actually know my own purpose specifically, um, but for humans, <laughs> I believe that we're a soul, we're a spark from the divine, and we come to earth um, and come in a human bodysuit. And in that human body suit, we're here to experience the polarities of life and the emotions and the, all the challenges to help our soul evolve. So the way we do that will depend on what our soul's contract is before we come here. This is how I see it, believe it, and as to how it unfolds and whether we follow that guidance that our soul's giving us to go on that journey that we came to do. I feel a lot of people come here and they don't necessarily um, find that place. And so they're not so happy. So when you talk about the soul evolution, what do you mean exactly by that? Is there a destination? It's not so much a destination. It's it's more I, I feel that we're part of this huge infinite energy that's around us and surrounds everything and is part of everything. So we're not separate. But as a spark of that, we have, it's like a soul with Akashic records. And those records are held in the energetic field, out infinite energies around us that's held there. And those energy and that information is, is our soul's journey. And from our soul's journey, we all have unique places to go. So we come here and we have different frequencies. And when we come here to evolve, we raise our frequency level, our resonance. As we learn, as we have more wisdom and more learnings and more strength in our character, that frequency raises and so our soul evolves further. Um, I don't think it's actually a destination. It's more, a, it's, it's an evolution that happens. What is healing to you? Is there such a thing as being healed? No, because <laughs> we're healing all the time. Right. I don't think we're totally healed because um, we're evolving. 
And that's part of our evolution to keep that happening, to keep opening up, to keep releasing, to keep letting go of limitations that we have. And so, yeah, that would be healing. So it's a, it's a process. Well, how do we know when we are closer to those higher vibrations? How do we know when we are more evolved, let's say? Well, my book's all about, you know, finding that path to liberation. Basically, um, what happens is you're not making more karma. And so cause and effect. So everything that we cause will have an effect on us. So as a yoga teacher, I really do believe from the um, Eastern traditions that we reduce our causing of things and we don't have the effects from it, which is karma. Yeah, so once we start realizing that we're maybe not in balance, Uh, mentally, spiritually, and physically, then we are probably reducing our cause having effects which are causing karma. Does that make sense? So yeah, where we just our karma level is is dropping down. So we're not having all those um, big lessons. Maybe we have different lessons, but I guess the vibration is measured by the balance, how centered we are. And how centered we can be in a very um, crazy place or, you know, if we can stay in that centeredness, we're probably running at a fairly high vibration. But if we're reacting to it all mm. and responding to it all without any conscious thought or feeling, then, yeah, we're probably um, at a different level of frequency. Do you believe that even those evolved beings, evolved human beings, do you believe that they never have any negative reactions or responses to anything? I'm not sure because I'm not one of them yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. All I can say is that I'm, I'm working towards finding liberation, but um, I, I'm not at the other end. I can't. I can't say what they experience. I mean, I could say from books I've read, but to be my everything for me is about personal experience that I share. Yeah, because anyone can read a book. Yeah, I guess mm -hmm. the the masters would say that. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that one. Okay. <laughs> I'm right. not that point. <laughs> Fair enough. I love that word, authenticity, just being in the moment and speaking what we know. Right. Speaking of personal experiences, so your book it's filled with them. And your father, you talk of him in a very beautiful way. It's very uplifting just to read your words about him. So talk to me for a moment about your father and the, um, I think you call it A1AD condition in a book. Oh, antitrypsin, alpha antitrypsin. Right, because I never He's heard about this before, this condition. That was new to me. So please talk to us about it. Your father, he was the first man in Australia to have a lung transplant. That was a very interesting fact to learn in your book. And also, uh, even more incredibly interesting is the fact that he had some experiences with old memories from the donor's lungs. The donor's lung was one lung only, right? Not, not two. And she was a female. Uh Yeah, my dad, he had a, a genetic problem in his family, which was called alpha antitrypsin 1, and it's an enzyme that's missing in the body. And it, over the years, he passed away like 30 years ago, but um, in past years they didn't really know why it happened, and, but it is transferred down mostly males in the family. And it causes a similar disease to emphysema, Yeah. where you have airway problems and it also it's also categorized now in the cystic fibrosis level 
So in that disease category, it's fitted into there. So that's in recent years. But what happened to him when he was, he didn't know he had it. And when he had a very severe uh, car accident, his lungs crushed and he had serious injuries. Um, he came out of it and they, he started having a lot of problems with his lungs. And what happened was that he had, they found he had this genetic problem. And in the eighties, early 80s, no, maybe 70s, they were just starting to realize that there was something, this genetic problem with with the family, but they didn't know what it was. And now they've found more families with it, with this alpha antitrypsin one. And the women are carriers. So I'm a carrier, my sister's a carrier, but the men in the family all seem to have acquired it through a shock in their life. And my grandfather had it because he was a, a fireman and he was thrown off the truck. He survived it, but this alpha antitrypsin showed up where he started having emphysema. Um, symptoms and my father had an accident and it happened to him but my grandfather they didn't know why it had happened to him at that time but when my father was injured they started to do research and found out that that's what it was and it had a name but my father was the first man in Australia to have a transplant because he was actually physically because he was a swimmer when he was younger he played lots of sport he was very athletic his body was actually very strong but he got this condition and it basically just ate away at his lungs. And so he had to have the lung transplant. And when he had the lung transplant, they wanted to do both lungs. And they decided at the last minute, because he was the first man in Australia to have it, they were a bit scared, scared about what might happen if they take both lungs and try putting persons in. So they took one. And when they took this one, he, he after the operation, he started talking about memories that he was having as a woman in a, in. He's saying, this isn't my life, this is something else. And so we realised that he was his lung was holding the memories of the woman who'd had the, who had the accident that he was given the lung from. So that was a really interesting experience right. in the 80s. No one was really saying anything like this. There hadn't been enough transplants. But I'm hearing people say it now, that they're experiencing um, memories from the person who's transplanted the um, organ to them. So... Yeah. We know now there's so many different methods to release trapped energies in the body. It makes sense. It's just a, a logical thing. Exactly. It's not just physical. It's it's like a metaphysical level that we're moving energy around as well, right. not just the physical organs. So, yeah, it's all held there. Like speaking about your father in physical death, how did that change for you, your idea and understanding of death? It was a big journey. Yeah, right. <laughs> it changed my life. It was a transformation. It was actually initiation. That's how I saw it in the end. I didn't at the time. It took me to very dark places. Um, I was very close to my dad, even though some things had happened in my childhood, which weren't probably so good, but I still adored him and loved him. And when he died, I felt like a piece of me had gone because when I was a child, I always, no matter how he was, his anger or whatever, I would always feel his heart. It was really big. And, and I'd always feel he, when he was angry or something, I'd feel that he'd have regrets about it. He wouldn't say it, but I could feel it. So I used to read his energy a lot. And so when he left, my heart felt really empty and I went to a very dark place. I was feeling suicidal. I didn't want to be on the planet and my whole physical body started eating itself away and I started um, producing these diseases in my body because my whole body, my whole system was feeling the effects of my thinking basically, my mental state. And so after that, during his death was interesting because I felt like he didn't acknowledge me when I was at his bedside. That affected me and it made me want to communicate with him after death. He 
acknowledge my mother. She was there. And that was an extraordinary moment when that happened. Even all the medical staff said that they'd never seen anything quite like that with someone passing over. But he didn't acknowledge me. And that set me on a whole path to look at the spiritual aspect of life and the metaphysical side. And so that's when I started yeah, seeking out all sorts of ancient wisdoms, shamanic practices. I started doing Eastern philosophies. Um, I started doing yoga, dance, art therapy. I, I went, I've been down a track of trying many things, but I've learned lots about the other worlds, other realities have been experiences that have been real for me in my journey and my seeking. And um, that's been a real blessing because I don't feel fixed to the third 3D world that we live in. I feel like there's more to the world and I've experienced it and I've met beings from the other side and I've had lots of spirit, spiritual experiences. So he he left me with a gift. I can look back and say it's a gift. It was a big initiation because it took me out of life and wanting to live for a couple of years. I had to find a play out of a dark place. I had to find my way, and I did, thank goodness. And, um, yeah, when I got there, my life just opened up and I became really conscious, really aware, and my journeys, I travelled the planet a lot. It's been my whole life since I was 16, and my whole journeys travelling the world changed totally. I became a really conscious traveller, and um, it just is incredible. It's magical what the planet has to offer, and it upsets me. When I see, you know, people destroying things on the planet and they just don't know, they're not aware. But when you wake up in, in another way and you see beyond the 3D world, it's incredible what we've got available to us and the help we have from our ancestors. When you say the help we get from our ancestors, you mean this communication with them through our psychic abilities? Yeah, uh, part, you know, like our, our past um, relatives that have passed over. And ancestors of the land, because I've practiced mm. a lot of shamanic practices from South America and um, North America. Yeah, I've connected into ancestors that are actually in the land that are here around us all the time. But when I say support, the ancestors that have gone before us are always behind, are always with us mm. and wanting us to communicate. And that's when I started communing with them, when I opened my, my mind and, and my consciousness my frequency was started to raise because I was opening myself up more spiritually and I started connecting with them. Yeah, like amazing things have happened to me because I've been open to them. But mm. they do support you. They supported me to write my book. They were the major support to write my book. Mm, how wonderful. How do we access our intuition more often? But also how do we lose this fear from communicating with the other side? Well, first of all, to intuition, it's like um, something inside your gut says to you not to do something or to do something. Everyone kind of has that. That's primal. True. Well, it's the same sort of thing. It's like if you can take time and, and be centered in yourself and practice, meditation is really good. Any practice like Qigong, Tai Chi, meditation, anything that teaches you to be centered, if you can be centered and feel into your heart space and listen to it, just really about trusting it. Everybody has it. It's there. And it's like a muscle. You need to use it. And if we don't use it, it's it, we can't you know, access it easily. So it's about just practicing to, to just stop for a minute, feel into the space where you are, take a breath, 
and just feel and ask, am I, where am I going here? What am I doing? And just feel into that. And what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, and that's basically your intuition, your your soul connecting you through your heart to tell you what you need to do. So it's just practice really and it, and we all have it. And the primal one is that this is danger, don't do that, yeah. um, that we all we all know that one. <laughs> so, yeah, practicing it really. And, and then when you start healing your heart too, um, layers come back and you start opening up to trusting more and so you're not overwhelmed by the fear. But I've never really had a fear for the other side. So, um, yeah, I just I just have always been so directed and followed my intuition so strongly that it's not really been fearful. I find it exciting. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I it's exciting. I want to know. I'm like this child. I want to know what's going on over there. What, what, what was that I just heard or saw or, you know, what's that? going on I, yeah it's about finding your inner child and the only way you're going to find that is through healing the heart mm. because we come uh we, we've many challenges as you all know on the planet um as a child we're challenged constantly um from our sensitive hearts things that happen to us that we hold deep and i didn't realize how much until i started writing my book that things came up that i just didn't think were important as i grew older but um, as a child, I'd lodged that into my body, into my memory of my body as something that was very big and really affected me and actually changed my behavior as an adult. It's about healing our hearts and finding our inner child. So once you start healing your heart, the layers come away and you start accessing that inner child that you had when you were young, that you just freely believed and trusted. It's really just going to that place, finding that place. Yeah. Interesting thing, most people that I talk to, they call them psychics or intuitive or um, there's different names, empath too. There are different names for these people who can feel everything and they are in touch with the heart, essentially, isn't it, Deborah? Yeah. The depth of yeah, the I'm heart. Definitely an empath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw lots of things as a child that upset me. Um, yeah, that was like, really confusing, really confusing. And I just thought, well, this isn't very loving. And yeah, so I questioned a lot of things and I didn't realize how much I'd held in there. It was blocking my heart to be expanded, to take on, you know, to allow more love in and share more love by having that in me. But when it started healing, it's just amazing. The heart expanded and yeah, the whole world changed. Do you connect joy to happiness or they are somehow different? Hmm, that's a good question. No, I don't actually. <laughs> that's the first answer that comes to me. I don't. Um, I think happiness is, to me, happiness is like, yeah, I'm in this moment and I'm feeling happy. And, you know, it may leave, may come. Um, I don't feel it as a deep, as deep. But when I say joy, that just, when I say it, resonates in the depths of my heart. I feel expanded, whereas happiness is kind of a word that I would use and go, I'm really happy, but joyful is like, yeah, it's deep. It's right in my in my heart and it doesn't go anywhere. It's there. I know it's there. I can feel it. Mm. So it actually feels different in my heart when I say it, yeah. which is interesting because I've noticed that before. <laughs> so thank you for that question. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just by saying that too, it resonates. So it's just, I have a smile on my face. I mean, I have a smile <laughs> the whole time, but <laughs> now especially. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting how it resonates with those energies yeah, around the heart. 
power of the word, isn't it? You know, the energy behind the word is so important. We need to be so conscious of what words we do use. But yeah, so true. Talk to me about the intention of writing your book, Seeker of Freedom and Joy. Did you set an intention or not really? Well, it was weird because um, I always felt I was going to be writing about my travels or, you know, what I was doing, but it's come out all (laughs) differently. So in 2008, I was in the desert living with the Aborigines and um, in a community as a remote area nurse. And I had some pretty big experiences out there. And with all that landscape being so vast, I was feeling expanded in myself. And I started wanting to write my book and I started to write it. I did two chapters and I put it on the shelf when I came back to the, the east coast of Australia. I came back into living, you know, more Western world out of the desert. And um, I put it aside. And then a couple of years later, um, I started it. And then I thought, no, I, I, I did a chapter a month and I finished a book and I put it on the shelf and I didn't take and I thought and my friend I said oh I don't know if I'm going to publish this book and my friend said oh you don't have to you've written it it's probably very healing and I go yeah so I put it on the shelf didn't do anything about it um, a year later I was having a massage and my massage therapist stopped massaging me and she said oh I've got this message your father's just turned up he's got a message for you and I had all these goosebumps go through my body and really what's he saying and she said he's He's saying that you haven't written your book. You haven't written the book. And I'm like, what Mm. book? What's he talking about? He said, you have to write it because you weren't given all those gifts to keep them for yourself. You must share them. Mm. And I just went, oh, my God, wow. So anyway, after that, Mm. (laughs) I I didn't use the book. The two I started, they got put aside. I went to this workshop and I was writing from the divine author within and this workshop brought out this whole different book, and that's where I brought up this book that I have now, which which is published, Secret of Freedom and Joy. And it's not the book I thought I was going to write at all. Right, right. <laughs> it's quite different, but a powerful book because it was written from my heart and a really high space. I basically writ- wrote a lot of it with my eyes closed, to be honest. I was madly typing and it was written from a very deep level. And as I wrote it, I was healing lots of parts of my heart, which was really interesting. And that's what I have to share, that when you write, you will be healing yourself. And that's when the ancestors came and they spent time with me and were giving me lots of guidance on um, keeping me motivated to do it because some of the places were very painful to release. But when I did, oh, my God, I felt so light and, yeah. And it's just grown into yeah. more and more lightness. Yeah. So, so it was an interesting book journey. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it, did it in 12 months. Book published, everything done. It was meant to be. And the next one's coming out soon. And that's communing with animals. Oh, animals, right. That's another fascinating right, topic. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll be in touch for that one. But before that, let me ask you, what is that about writing that is so healing? Um, I find it really, really cathartic in that um, if I stay in a in a in a really conscious place and I'm writing and I stay focused, I usually have really nice music in the background for me. So I stay very centered and I just allow myself to go into a really deep place and I just trust and allow it to come through. And I don't ever edit anything until afterwards. I don't even know what I've written, to be honest. I don't read it. I just do um, all these different downloads of it and then I put it together afterwards. It's sort of a puzzle at the end. I have to put it together. But I don't write chapter by chapter. Nothing like what I did when I started writing. Quite different. 
but I find it very cathartic uh, writing it that way. It just seems to heal parts of you that you don't know that are actually needing healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't even need to know the story. You're just writing and you can just, I just feel in my body that things are, you know, bringing up emotions for me and, and I release them. I don't get stuck on it. I just go, oh, okay, that was interesting. That's brought up an emotion and I just move on. Have you found other healing methods that were highly effective? I have. Some years ago, I um, went to do some study as a transpersonal art therapist. And it's a bit different to an art therapist, a general art therapist, in that you go into an altered, you take your clients into an altered state, like a meditative state, and you work with them at a soul level. You actually help them navigate their way through communing with um, messages from the soul. But that was really powerful for me because I he, I was going to do the training. It was a advanced diploma training that I did. And as I did the training, we had to go for therapy sessions ourselves um, so that we would know what it's like and, and we have to know what we have inside that might be our baggage that needs releasing. And that was really interesting. So I found lots of things that came up for me to release, but it was so beautiful to release because what happens is you go into this altered state, the therapist takes you like on helps navigate you she doesn't take you anywhere she just helps you keep focus and she can tell when you're moving in and out of the focus and in that focus um, you're bringing up all sorts of symbology and then you do artwork and so the artwork's not like oh you draw a house in a shop or you know whatever it is you're drawing symbols so sometimes you might draw an object that you know but a lot of times you're putting symbols on the page and what the um, therapist does is help you work through their symbols. Now, the the healing that comes through that is extraordinary. It was for me, the messages, and I watched everyone in the class doing it and you know, through the training and everybody just shifted into totally different human beings at the end of it. And we were only doing one session a month for our own personal growth, but our class sessions we were doing all the time. You know, it was a full-time course. That was really powerful to watch how we transformed ourselves and then to go and do it with clients was extraordinary. And, you know, I've seen people really shift. Um, a small picture, if you know how to get someone to work through it without judgment and keep them out of judgment because we all want to go into judgment, like, oh, that's mm. no good. I don't know what that is. Um, I can't draw. This is the main thing people say. I can't draw. It's not about drawing. It's like the soul doesn't speak English, German, mm. French. It speaks symbols. And you, we know that because all the ancient pictorials and all sorts of things around the planet in, in the ancient wisdoms are all pictorials. And so when we're speaking from the soul, it speaks in pictorials. That's the, the uh, language of the universe. Love is the language of the universe at a high frequency of the heart. And so is pictorials. So when you're drawing these objects on the page, um, yeah, it's the, the job for the therapist is to keep the person out of the judgment phase and to keep them away from the chatter of the mind and keep them focused on just tuning into what that symbolically means for them. But you can't, the therapist does not know what that means. So the therapist never interferes and says anything about what they think it means. It's always the person's journey. So I found that incredibly um, powerful to have a journey where I felt empowered that all the messages and symbols coming to me were my messages. I received them. I understood them. And it took me to new places in myself. That was powerful. And the other one was dance. And I combined those oh. two. 
the first therapy that I found really powerful was art therapy because it empowered me as a human being to find my own messages. The second one was dance. Now, um, I don't say dancing like Latin dance or, you know, ballroom dancing. I'm talking about conscious dancing. And this is where you go into a meditative state and you take on music. Often it's world music or it can be meditative music, but you take on um, music in your body and you feel it and you move with it. And as a yoga teacher, I can take people through the chakras because the chakras have all sorts of things connected to them. They're like gateways um, into the human body to do healing. But um, conscious dance is a big subject. Wow. <laughs> um, so I have lots of modalities I use. Um, some of them I use the elements like air, water, earth, fire, and I br- I help people bring that into their bodies and help them heal using the elements. I use the chakras, which is yogic, and I also use just um, opening up to allow movement in the body. Just like our bodies are meant to be moving. We right. sit still all the time. They're meant to be moving. And when we move, you'll notice that you get your ideas. Like I find if I'm having a problem with being creative, if I get in the car and go for a drive or I go for a walk, mm-hmm. I start becoming creative and inspired so it's like the body needs to move so when you start going into dance you start moving the body and um all sorts of things keep start happening but you need to be in an altered state like a meditative state and then you can start connecting into that and you have a facilitator that leads you through a journey and that journey takes you to different levels and different layers and and then afterwards i have um my group if I'm working with a workshop I'll have them then do art therapy afterwards so it's like um, manifesting the messages they're getting into this reality and into um, the human body so they put their hand on the paper and they're bringing that energy that they've danced or released into the paper and the messages so I find conscious dance really wonderful and joyful so Mm, both of those things are so joyful it's yeah. like we don't have to heal in hard ways. And I've seen big, 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 big time just using that joyful therapy of art and dance. And, and in the tri- tribal traditions, that's how they do it. That's how they heal. They use music and dance and when they have trauma. They don't um, sort of go into the mind and, and stay in the chatter of the mind. They move beyond that into an altered space. So it's a very shamanic practice. A way of doing things but I think it's really powerful and it would be wonderful if more people were able to use it because it would be so joyful and they would shift things very quickly. Is that possible to do it or facilitate that kind of therapy long distance? Um, I haven't done it on Zoom but I know some therapists have but I, I don't see why not yeah because as long as you're just doing the one-on-one it'd be hard to do a group but yes one-on-one I think that you could but you are tuning into the energy of the other person a lot. So you need, you know, that intuitive connection with that person. But I think that you could, yes, people are doing that. This is from a, a psychologist I never heard about, um, Shahida Arabi, I think is the name. She says, a child that is being abused by its parents does not stop loving its parents. It stops loving itself. And that's when you talk about families and growing up in a dysfunctional family or people with mental illnesses that we are not aware of as a child and then we are affected by them. It has been my case and I'm sure many of us, (laughs) lots of people. 
but I'm wondering why it takes so long. My case took almost 37 years to find out that this is what's happening. That was my childhood that was affecting me. So I'm wondering why it takes so long, Deborah, to see the effects of that. Well, I think we all are on unique individual journeys and the time will come when your soul's ready and you're ready. Your soul knows when it's ready to to show you what you need to do. But um, I, I don't, I wouldn't negate anything that you didn't know before that. Like I had an abusive childhood. It took me a long time as well to, to get to that place. I was like, I think 33 when I realized how much it affected me. Before that, I was just running on not being conscious enough to know that it was affecting my behavior. But I, it's a very powerful statement. I, it brought goosebumps to me straight away when I, I found that. When I saw that, I just went, oh, my God, that's got to go in my book because that was been on my journey as well, that um, I was blaming myself for things that were happening in my family, the abuses that were happening through mental health issues. And um, when I saw that, it was just so enlightening to to realize that, yeah, oh, my God. But I, I think that I still needed all that at the beginning. I feel that we come to earth with all these challenges not because we need to not have them. We have to have them, I feel, because that's how we evolve. We we get greater wisdom, greater strength in our character. And so that's probably why we've all got these challenges when we come to the planet as children. We have sensitive hearts and then we have all these challenges and it's the journey is how do we deal with them, how do we heal them, and what do we learn from them. Mm, so it's not yeah. that we've had them. And it doesn't matter if you're 66 and, and you're healing it. It's It'll all count. It all counts. It all makes a difference to your journey. And it's all held in your soul's memory. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole story behind that about Kashik Records that are held. But, yeah, I think it's really important that um, we don't negate what we had previously as being in judgment of, oh, if only I'd known. Well, maybe all that was needed to, to help you have compassion for others. That's helped me because of my experiences. It gives me a lot of compassion for other people and patience on understanding where they're going and where they're coming from. And it's not a time in your life where it's the same for everyone. You know, I, I've met people that are in their 80s and they're starting mm-hmm. to have enlightenment things. Oh, why didn't I know this before? But, you know, <laughs> they, they had the journey and they chose the journey, the contract, and that was how it un- unfolded for them. So, yeah, we, we often want to go into judgment, don't we? We would go, oh, <laughs> this could be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. why it took so long. That's true. Yeah, That's yeah. a judgment. That's so yeah, true. Yeah, it is. So yeah. true. And I love when you say that everything is a choice. So we chose to go through those experiences so we could learn some powerful states of mind, of being, like compassion, unconditional love, and all these beautiful energies, I call them. And learning forgiveness. Mm, That's a big one on this planet. People are learning forgiveness. Um, I, I think that the indigenous people on this planet are extraordinary that they've had big lessons in having to uh, forgive, you know, our Western civilization that's done lots of things to them and not understanding in, in, in naivety, I guess, and, and ignorance. They don't understand some of the wisdom that the other traditions have. So um, they're a great example of forgiveness and we need to learn that. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree 100%. In your book, the title includes the word freedom, that's a powerful word. Another one's liberation. So what is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? 
Freedom to me has been a really big journey because I didn't have freedom when I was a child. Freedom to me is to be empowered, to feel empowered, to feel sovereign, and to be really conscious of who I am and what I'm doing and and know that, that it's all okay and that I trust. That's mm. freedom, not mm. to be restricted by other people's decisions, um, comments, all those sorts of things. Yeah, so not to be restricted by what other people think or restricted by your fears, basically. <laughs> In your book, there's a phrase that's just so beautiful. You say, be love, see love, share love, and feel love in yourself. So I have two questions. One, what is love to you? And the follow-up question is, do you believe in unconditional self-love? I do, but I'm not sure I'm there yet. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that it's possible, <laughs> but I'm definitely not there. I find, I've found a path to, to take me there, but I'm not there yet. Um, so love to me is it's many things, but it's basically who we are. We are love and we're clouded by so many fears and traumas and challenges that have affected us that we actually don't remember that. Um, and we come from an infinite force, which is love. And even the animals, when I go back to when you commune with them, you commune with them from a higher heart intelligence of love. That's the language they know. They don't know English, Spanish, whatever. They communicate with you from the higher intelligence of love. So everything on this planet resonates with love. So that's love to me. And the love within us, within our own selves, is the love that we can feel and allow our own light to come through. So, you know, like once you start healing, those little cracks open up in your heart to have space and then our own light of love can come out and then we can affect others and then we can only see love around us when all that love starts you know coming through uh, that's been my experience anyway that i like i things look really amazing and then i see people who i don't take them personally i i i realize that they're having an experience i'm not the problem of their experience they're having an experience and they're doing the best they can and so then i can feel compassion and love in my heart for their journey but not to take what they're saying or doing personally and that's a big big one but you know it's it's possible i've been doing it practicing it. it's a practice <laughs> yeah but yeah Love is everywhere. We are love and we just have to keep tuning in, keep healing ourselves in self-love to know that we are and to feel it. It's I feel and I know those moments because my heart feels super expanded. <laughs> what is your definition of success? What is to be successful to you these days? Okay. To be in wellness and centered and to be in joy. So to feel wherever I am, to be very centered, balanced, in whatever the environment, and to feel my joy and my love coming out, not to be restricted in that way. Um, I don't feel uh, success in material ways. For me, success is more on a, uh, a level of spiritual, metaphysical sense of feeling my, my light is shining out, my heart is expanded, and I'm centered and balanced, and I'm on my journey. I'm, I'm in success when I'm on my journey, and I'm raising my vibration by releasing old stories. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, 
Would you change anything or do anything differently? I feel like I've done everything that I have wanted to do and felt guided to do. I might try and get my second book to the publisher a bit quicker. <laughs> right. <laughs> I really, really want my second book at the publishers like soon. I'm working with the editor right now and I, and I would hate to think that I left the planet before that was out because I think it's going to make a big difference to so many species on this planet when people realize a lot of things um, about them that they don't know, may not know. Yeah, so not really anything. I was a child. I grew up very young saying that I don't want to go to my grave saying that I regret something I didn't do. And so I feel at 62, I'm probably, yeah, I could go tomorrow and I would feel pretty comfortable if my book had gone to the publisher and that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an enlightened mission. It sounds like a mission. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know who I am. I know my purpose. I know that I've reincarnated here and I have a job to do. Um, I know that because I've had so many past life memories come to me and they have been gifts because they've come to me and shown me something that I needed to know in that moment as a gift. So I know that I've reincarnated and been here before. Three, those three things. <laughs> Basically about me, that's what I know. I can't know about anyone else or anything else. In the way you see everything is a gift, the shadow, everything that happened in the past, in the negative things, that's the, the vibration of the heart. Yeah, that's unconditional acceptance. So beautiful. Without those things, I wouldn't be here now, probably talking about wisdom that I've gained And that's the same for everybody. That's why I say the challenges are the gifts behind, you know, the shadows. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for you, the work you do and your mission and this reality. I hope to talk to you soon. Oh, thank you, Valeria. I do have one more question for you. This is yes. the final one. <laughs> that's a technical question. Um, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, my book, Seeker of Freedom and Joy, Inspiring Life Journeys of an Enlightened Heart, is on Amazon. It's in ebook and paperback. And I have a website which is called heartjourneyswithdebra.com. And that's basically the two places. And I have five books coming out, but second and third one should be out soon. The second one is about communing with animals at a very high frequency. And the third one is going to be about peace within, oh, more of a self book <laughs> so yeah. people can find that place mm. wonderful thank you so much again Deborah, and we'll talk soon thank you valeria it was wonderful talking to you bye for now bye, bye. thank you for listening to learn more about deborah lansdowne and her work please visit heartjourneyswithdebra.com To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.